Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 26, if you would. And uh, what a joy it is to be here. Faith, I appreciate that song. And I am thankful and grateful that he will pick us up. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he forgives us over and over and over again. We're going to look at a, a man's life, David, just briefly today. And he would be one that would give a great testimony of how God just picked him up over and over and over again. If you read the life of David, he did some pretty strange things. And um, <clears throat> God was always there for him. And he's always there for all of us. I appreciate that song. Faith and her family have been part of our church for many years. I'm so glad she's here. And I'm glad that you're here. I believe you're in one of the best Christian colleges in America. And uh, I mean that with all of my heart. We've, we've invested a lot of time, prayers, students uh, coming through here from our ministry. And um, you're here, and I'm glad you are. And I, I hope that you, uh, that you are a, a good advertisement when you go back to your ministries as you encourage others to come. We uh, fully understand in ministry, especially at this stage in our culture, as young men and young women go toward Christ, we've got just uh, several just going the other way. And we get all that. But boy, don't ever forget how God touched your heart. And uh, the Bible says the gifts and callings of God without repentance, which means if God, God led you to do what you're doing in ministry and preparation for ministry, you may change your mind someday, but God doesn't change his mind. God never forgot the day that you were born, the days you were conceived, born. God never forgot the, the influences that were in your life leading you to this place. And uh, you may forget all those someday, but God never forgets. And I believe the Holy Spirit of God always will work on you to get you back to the place that he wants you. And the best thing we can ever do is never stray from that. And... Um, I don't want you to be discouraged about what's going on in the world. I want you to be encouraged because what we're seeing in the world today in all the mess, take it wherever you want to go, pandemic, politics, economy, apostasy, wherever you want to go with it. And God said this is exactly how it would be. I just think that God is really exploding it right now in our eyes and our faces so that we would understand. We've read about this. We've studied this. Now we're seeing this. That means that Jesus Christ is coming again. How many believe that Jesus Christ is coming again? So your preparation here is so vital. It's so vital. Uh, I just want to briefly mention, just by way of advertisement, that our ministry, uh, even though she's been uh, just hit in the gut like every ministry uh, through the COVID pandemic and all of that, uh, all churches are rebuilding. Um, we've seen extreme growth. We're not back to where we, we want to be. Uh, but our school especially has grown this year. We will enroll over 700 students. I don't know what percentage growth that is, Dr. Getch, but I can tell you that probably we were in the 400s just five years ago. So it's, it's, um, it's just coming as, and to be honest with you, that could just as easy be, easily be 800 as 700 because we have that many on the waiting list. We don't have buildings. We don't have teachers. Uh, I talked to our administrator just before I left. We'll have nine teaching positions in just about every level uh, there at the school. Um, and then we have about six staff positions on the church side. We've never been so shorthanded, but we've never had such a great opportunity. I, I, don't, uh, I don't even know how to explain this to you because 
I understand that California is different and we pray for the ministries here. This is a much like a foreign mission field as people move away because of different reasons. And yes, some of those are moving to our, our area, not just from California, but from the Northeast. We live in a very conservative thinking town politically, but even in our town, um, people, our citizens are rejecting a county and city school system because of CRT and other things that's embedded in those school systems. And they're walking away, and many of them are homeschooling their kids, and many of them are literally beating down our door. We're interviewing three families a day. Um, I know you don't hear that all the time, and I don't know why God has chosen us to, to, to be in that position, but it's a, it's a very rare and great opportunity, and I don't want to miss it. And um, I want to challenge you, if you're not placed somewhere, we'd love to have you come and be a part. Even on the church side, we have different opportunities there. And I, I don't typically, I ask to do what I'm doing. I want you above all to be right where God wants you. And um, you, may, you may go to an area that's not, doesn't have near the opportunity we have. And that's okay. That's where you need to be. You need to be right directly in the center of God's will. And uh, I'm thankful and grateful that we can come to a place like this. Uh, really, West Coast Baptist College is one of our best recruiting fishing holes. That's why this, this tribe needs to increase, and we're asking God to do that. And uh, we're thankful for it. Let's stand together, please. We'll read the entire psalm, Psalm 26. I'm trying to think of the things I'd like to say, and uh, I have never done this before. I mean, this is, this, I almost feel like a sinner. I have never preached from an iPad preacher, so forgive me, I, for I know not what I do. I literally do not know what I'm doing. I'm scared if this thing going to shut down. I will tell you this, if this thing goes off, we'll shut her down and go eat lunch. I'll tell you that. I had several notes. I was coming out for the, uh, for the deacon's retreat. I'm speaking in and just uh, later on today. And I had some notes uh, tucked away. This message was one of them uh, on my desk. I did not go back to my office. Um, and I left those there, and I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So here we are. Here we go. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Not for me, but maybe for you. <laughs> Look at verse number one. David says this, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore shall I not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons. Now listen to what he says. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers or fakes or those that are intentionally deceiving people, and they're out there. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, Whatever that word is, I can't even pronounce it today. Innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. And by the way, that's okay to walk in your own integrity and character of heart 
if God's guiding that. He said, I, have walked, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. I draw your attention to verse number two. We'll use that as our text for this chapter. I'd like for you to read that with me out loud together. Let's read that in unison, verse two. Ready? Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. I want to speak on this subject for just a while this morning, a wholehearted Christian. A general message, a very specific uh, context here, but uh, I believe it's very much relevant, more than just information for us, because uh, Satan is stealing the hearts of God's people away from their goals, away from their callings. And David uh, was just as susceptible to that as any of us today. He was the king. He was wealthy. He was a handsome dude. He had a lot. He was a mighty warrior. He was a man's man. And he uh, very easily could have fallen from uh, God's purpose in his life. And by the way, Satan did attack him in several different areas. But he always got back up and uh, God got him back on track. And David had a very sensitive heart. And I want to talk about that for just a while. Let's pray together. Father, bless your word. Challenge us, Lord, please, with this matter. Help us to, to uh, Lord, examine our own hearts today. You teach us to do that before the communion service. At least four times a year at the Lord's table, our church will be called upon to take an inward look. May we all do that today as Bible college students and staff. May we examine our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. All of us understand the importance of the heart, the vessel inside the human body. You got a good heart, you got pretty good health. And the heart pumps the blood, you got good blood, you got good health. But all that is related to the heart, that vessel. Strong hearts, weak hearts. And God uses the, the idea of the human body heart to teach spiritual lessons throughout Scripture. And here David says that uh, he wanted to have a heart for God. The Bible teaches us about David nine times in the book of Psalms alone. David tells God that he would seek him and praise him with his whole heart, his whole heart. Do you really understand how difficult it is today for God to have our whole heart. Everything tugs for our attention. As a pastor right now, all these years of pastoring, I'm not seeing great change. I'm seeing rapid change in the lives of Christians. I'm not quite sure how to evaluate it or what's caused it, but I can just tell you right now that everything's changed in ministry. Doctrine has not changed. A philosophy of ministry has not changed, but people have changed. Their needs have somewhat changed, and it seems like that uh, there's a lot of walking away from God. Folks are losing heart, and I can tell you that uh, in our church, uh, we've had scores and scores of funerals the past two years. I'm not going to give you the number because the number's very shocking, and, and all of them were not COVID deaths. Uh, some of those may be COVID-related, um, but just a lot of folks dying in our church. As a pastor and a pastor's wife, when you stand around that six-foot hole, 
week after week, for instance, last week we had, I had four funerals. That's very rare. Typically, I would have maybe 10 funerals, a church our size, maybe 10 funerals a year. I can tell you, there's many weeks, six weeks, I've had at least three funerals. Last week, four funerals. You don't stand by that, that hole and watch what I've watched and observe what I observed. One, one particular couple about three months ago, uh, the man died and two, two days later, his wife died. And I went to the funeral of the weeping family. They didn't understand why mom and dad was taken out so young. And, and we followed two white hearse up the side of the mountain and they unloaded the caskets, two white caskets, and they had two graves side by side. And I buried those folks and I, I watched those, those kids and grandkids got over those those graves and wept over their family. I'm just telling you that that does something. And you have to back up and you say, what in the world is going on? And I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know this, there's a lot of change going on. And the things that I just described puts a lot of fear in people. Quarantines and, and uh, social distancing and masks and vaccinations and all those things. And I, and I get all of it, and we all have opinions about all that, but I want you to know that if you have maybe some uh, illness or condition, that's going to cause you concern. And then folks take just that particular thing that's going on and place it in the uh, in the world of scene right now and what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia and the saber rattling in China. They watch all that. They watch news organizations fail because they cannot tell the truth and they back up and say, where in the world do you get the truth? They watch uh, Christians, fellow Christians walk away, people that they highly revered and admired. They're out of church and, and things. We're not having revival like we should have revival. And all this is, is causing folks to, number one, lose heart. There are not just people losing heart, but there are some that are leaving the heart of God. The world has got a hold of them. Something happened. Something has jarred them. And I want you to understand that the world has a great magnetic pull. Don't ever forget that. And it's pulling young people and older folks away from the heart of God. They're losing heart. They're leaving the heart of God. And some uh, just uh, very uh, foolishly have a loose heart. I have never seen people in my time of being in a pastorate to say they love God and do some of the most outlandish, wicked, perverted things and say they love God, and you got to back up and say, where in the world did they get that? They didn't get that from the Bible. They didn't get that from the Christ-like life. They got that from the world. They pulled it in. They saw other apostate Christians saying, well, I can drink. Well, I can run around. Well, I can be involved in this particular uh, illicit uh, affair and, uh, and, and still be a Christian. And, and some of God's people that know better, they've been trained in the Word of God, they most likely have memorized the Scriptures opposing that sin, will back up and say, hey, man, we're under grace. Do you know there's actually a movement out there called Hyper Grace that teaches pretty much that you can't even sin anymore? I had a young man in my office not long ago. He was telling me, he said, uh, well, he said, uh, I, don't, uh, I just don't think that uh, uh, you can sin, that your view of 1 John 1, 9 is not the same as mine. And I wanted, I wanted to look at him and said, uh, I was talking to him about uh, drinking. He said, well, he said, that's okay. I said, you weren't trained that way. 
I want to look at him and say, do you screw your shoes on in the morning? Some of those illogical, irrational beliefs are being brought into our churches. And young people believe because there's some popularity or trend with that particular thing that it must be okay. Young people, please understand, we always have to go back to thus saith the Word of God. God has changed us. His Word has changed us. I don't care what new guru comes on the scene teaching some new trend. People just get loose in that. And I thought about David, how David uh, uh, prays here and says, Dear God, don't let me get in a mess like that. Don't, don't let me walk away and, and uh, judge me, examine me. David is known as a man after God's own heart, a man that uh, would do the will of God. 1 Samuel 13, 14 describes David whenever uh, the, the, the prophet came I believe it was Samuel came looking for, I don't know why I'm looking at him because he knows the whole Bible. He's memorized all of them. But anyway, that guy, that, that, that man of God that came looking for the next king of Israel called Saul had blown it. You say, what happened to Saul? I'm going to tell you what happened to Saul. He had a loose heart. He left the heart of God. The man had it made. He could have owned it. And he walked away from all of them. By the way, by the time you get to the end of his life, he couldn't find the truth nowhere. He was consulting witches to try to find the truth. You say, well, I'd never do that. You'll never know how far you'll fall if you walk away from thus saith the word of God. And David was described as a man after God's own heart in the, in the uh, Old Testament, and it is confirmed in the New Testament that David was a man after God's own heart. You say, what does that mean? That means that David, though he failed, and sometimes he failed miserably, but he always wanted the heart of God. I think it was Nathan, I believe, the preacher that came in when David fell with, uh, with um, Bathsheba, and he looked at him and he said, thou art the man. And whenever that happened, David's heart melted because he, he was still sensitive. Young people, when was the last time that the man of God opened the Word of God and your heart melted because you knew you wasn't right with God? Oh, may God help us today to have a tender heart. He said, judge me. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Just by way of introduction, David's heart in these first couple of verses was, was, was sensitive. It was supple, and it didn't slide. Preacher, what do you mean it was sensitive? He says, he says, judge me, O Lord, I've walked in my integrity. I've trusted also in the Lord. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins. What does that mean? Try my reins. The word reins is the word that's used for the leather straps on the side of a horse to guide and control the horse. It allows the rider to govern the horse. Horses that have been trained and broken. I'm not a cowboy or anything like that. And some of you may be cowgirls out there. You know, you know this better than I do. But uh, they've been trained and they have they put bits in horses' mouths, that little brass or metal thing, uh, to actually pull on the side of those uh, jaws and and the lips and the corner of the mouth of the horse. And sometimes, as they train that horse, it'll kind of split that and it'll heal up and split it and it'll heal up and it'll make that side of that horse very tender. 
That horse is very aware that whenever that piece of leather moves on one side or the other of that horse, that horse knows he should cut to that side. In Tennessee, we have walking horses. We have cutting horses. We have barrel racing horses. We have all that where I live. And uh, on the cutting horses, they'll tell me that a, a good cutting horse, you only have to pretty much, the rider only has to pretty much allow that leather and show any type of movement of that strap or that rein on one side of the horse, and that horse is going that way until he feels something on the other side. The Bible is saying here, David is saying to God, God, I want my heart to be that way. So if you just, just kind of lay your hand on that side of my life, I want to be able to go that direction. His heart was a sensitive heart. Try my reins. His heart was a supple heart. The word supple means uh, that it was flexible. That means that you may be going in one direction, but God, God uh, uh, leads you to go another direction, and boom, you're there. If you know it's the hand of God and the voice of God through the Word of God working your life, there's no question about that. You move. It may be mission field. It may be a pastor in one town. It may be a Christian school assignment here. It may be this. It may be that. It may be some ministry opportunity here. And all of a sudden, God leads you over here to do this. I'm just saying, a person that has a whole heart for God, his heart is supple. It's flexible. It's tender. It's movable. I've never seen the like of rigid, rigid people. May God help you never be rigid. And then lastly, his heart didn't slide. I'll introduce I'm going to give you some things in just a minute. It didn't slide. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please, I'm begging you to understand that we're living in a very apostate age. I live in the Bible Belt in the South. I live in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. There's more churches where I live, as many churches as there are in Mayberry, North Carolina. We've got churches everywhere. But a lot of those churches are apostate churches. And they're big and they're glamorous and they got all the lights and bells and whistles. But they don't believe what's taught in that book right there. And there's a lot of people sliding right now. If you're a whole heart, a wholehearted Christian, you won't slide. Now, I've got to hurry. Let me give you the, the body of, of the message here. What, the, what did David do? If David was willing for God to look inside his heart, he knew what he had there. How, how did he build a heart for God like that? Jot this down. Number one, he was in the Word, verse 3. He was in the Word of God. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. I have walked in thy, what's that next word? Truth. The Bible is described with many different words. One of those words is truth. He loved the truth of God. He said in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Understand that an entire chapter of the largest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, an entire chapter, every verse is dedicated to the word of God. Sometimes it's called precept. Sometimes it's called law. Sometimes it's called the Word. I'm just saying, if you check that out, maybe one or two verses you have to dig pretty hard. But entire, why, did, why was that put in the Bible like that? Because the Word of God is, is paramount. It's so important in your life to keep you on track. 
If you're following the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, if you're in the Word of God daily, study without show thyself approved unto God, a workman thee not to be ashamed, right and divide the Word of truth. If you are a student of the Scriptures, you're going to have a good heart. God's opened that heart up. He's, he's running that, what they call that arteriogram, that catheterization. He's running that light up in there and that, that little film uh, camera on the end of that. He's running that up in your heart. He's looking around. He's, I saw that. He's in the Word of God. Everybody else may not know it, but you're in the Word of God. Number two, write this down. He was separated. Look at verse four. I have not sat with vain persons. Neither will I go in with assemblers. I have hated, watch it, I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not set with the wicked. I will wash my hands of innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O God. That idea of being able to compass or surround or fall on the altar of God and get the help of God. He had a, a good heart about that because he didn't run with the pack of people that were fakes and frauds. You need to check out your friends and you need to check out those that you follow watch this now, on social media and those that you're emulating your life after and understand not everybody's true blue. And there's a lot of folks out there that are dissemblers that do nothing but try to pull you in. Once they get you in, boom, then they pour their doctrine into your brain. Next thing you know, you're away from God. Oh, please understand, a wise man will check out his friends. A, a wise young lady will not just fall for everything that comes down the pack. May God help us to be separated in our living. He addresses that again in just a moment. But we see here he was separated. Number three, he was a witness. Now, what I'm going to show you is very strange because we're in the Old Testament, but I'm going to quote some scripture to you. I'm talking about a whole heart. It's a separate heart. It's a heart that's in the Word. Look at verse number seven. He says that I may publish or make known with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. What that means is he is going to tell people how good God is. He is a witness in our New Testament vernacular would be a soul winner or somebody that evangelizes. But listen to this. This is what David did. Psalm 25, 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will I teach sinners in the way. Psalm 51, 13, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. That's kind of New Testament language in the Old Testament. What, what are you saying? I'm saying David was a recruiter for Almighty God. David was the kind of guy that ever since he was a young boy in those sheep coats, the Bible says, as he worked his daddy's sheep, he learned about God, and, and he loved God. He communed with Almighty God in the night seasons and songs in the night and all that. And he watched the favor of God. He watched the blessing of God. He had all that in his bosom. And everywhere David went, if his heart was right with God, he told everybody how good God was. Understand, if we have a good heart, if we have a whole heart, you just kind of splash out on the people around you. Write this section down. Not only was he, was he a witness, but he loved God's house. Verse 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. And we understand what that means in the Old Testament. He also said this in Psalm 23, 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me just ask this quick question. As we examine our hearts, as we ask God, dear God, would you judge me right now? Oh, God, I want to be right with you. God takes that spiritual catheterization process and that 
arteriogram, and he starts right here, and he runs that, 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 that rod up through your big veins. It comes up through here, and it comes in one of your main aorta and artery and goes up there and goes inside your heart and goes through all those little, those little ventricles and things in your heart. He's looking around in there. He gets that part where it talks about the habitation, the house of God. Let me ask you this question. Right now, do you love the house of God? Do you love church? Are you the type of Christian you, you can't stay away? You get up early on Sunday, you want to go, you want to be there. And I know there's sometimes you get sick, and I understand that. But one of the leading signs that you're not where you need to be is where you can take the house of God and you can take it or leave it. Mark it down. And that's what's big today. And you guys that's going to go out there and pastor churches, and you decide you because the world gets like that, they're only going to come on Sundays, and they're going to come back on Sunday nights, they're not going back on, and you dial it back to, to fit your culture, you're going to make a big mistake. You know what I have found? I have found that if people love the house of God, they'll be there. Come to our church on Sunday night. Come to this church on Sunday night. Come on Wednesday night. You're going to find a full house. You say, why? Because people love the house of God. I got to hurry. I'm watching my time. He loved the house of God. He, uh, number five, he kept good company. Look, he kind of doubles down on this. Look at verse nine. Gather not my soul with sinners, uh, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. He says here, I want to keep uh, good company. He said this in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Isn't it strange how we walk away from wise counsel like that? God gives us in Joshua and Psalms and other places the formula for success, and we back up and say, no, 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 my, my success and my identity is found in my homies, my friends, my girls. Look, have your friends and enjoy your fellowship, but your identity needs to be found in Christ Amen. and His Word because that's where true success is. He said, I'm going to limit myself to that. I'm going to keep good company. Let me just say this. It's okay to walk away from a relationship, an acquaintance, or a friend if they're not right with you, for you. It's okay. I know you worry about, well, how will they feel and all that. What you should worry about is how God feels and where you're going to be five years if you stay in that relationship. Number six, he prayed to God. Verse 11, I'll just hit this. He says, last part, and be merciful unto me. If you're taking some notes, you might want to write in a reference, Psalm 51, 1 through 4, and I'll take the time to go there, but it actually describes the time when David is coming back to God and asking for God's mercy. And then number seven, he gave praise to God. He gave praise to God. He says, my foot standeth in an even place, in the congregation will I bless the Lord. You and I, when we come into the house of God, whether you sing the songs on the screen or sing them out of the hymn book, you, you, we need to rear back and let it rip. Number one, because we need to praise God. We're commanded to praise God. If we've got breath, praise ye the Lord. But number two, and I, I, I'm, I've not been in this church on a Sunday morning for several years, but I have been in it before. 
But have you ever been, and Dr. Getch, you travel some. Brother Godfrey, I think I saw you, you travel some. And, and you've been to these churches where you walk in there and, and they just, they sing so loud, it's almost like they're screaming. And they just, they, we say lift the, the ceiling tiles. And you walk in there and just the song service. You say, they believe this. And the praise that you and I give to God was intended to put a little fear in the enemy. Back in the Old Testament, whenever the Israelites just get ready to go to war, they'd have what we call in the South called the rebel shout. I mean, they had a way of shouting for God. And their screams would be blood-curling to the enemy. Sometimes it put the enemy in flight just hearing the shout and the praise to God from Israel's camp. And David said, I, that's what I want to be. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of God. He said one time, he said, I even walked up the house of God with my enemy, broke bread with my enemy, but it didn't keep me from going to church when my enemy walked away from me. But when I get in church, he said, I'm going to praise God and focus on that. Now, there's a lot of things I can say. I'm finished. I'm not going to take the time to do it, but in Ezekiel chapter 11, you find a very unusual passage in verses 19 through 21. Let me just go ahead and read it real quick. I think I've got just a minute here. Look at verse number 19. Ezekiel 11 says, But I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Here's why. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for them whose heart walketh after the heart of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, saith the Lord. That's prophecy. I'll not get into all the theology of it, but what I want to show you here is that God's going to do something special in the hearts of his people, the Israelites, someday. He's going to restore their nation to them. They're going to come back to him. God's going to do all of that. They would come when God would give his people, the Jews, one heart. One heart. I believe that sometime after the rapture of the church, during the first part of the, probably the tribulation period, and God's just going to come in. 144,000 Jewish preachers, I mean, they're going to tear it up, and God's going to bring. Tribulation period is for Israel. You and I are gone. But God's going to give them. It's almost like. They've gone full circle. They ran from God. They rebelled on God. They walked away. They did this. They worshiped by us. All of a sudden, boom! God's going to give them what he always wanted them to have. Now, we're the church. We're not Israel. We know better than that. And I want to challenge you right now. Just as God will do that for them in prophecy right now, what God is doing in this world is he's shaken this thing to its core so that God's people would get one heart after him again. Amen. I'll just tell you right now, China's a big player. Russia's a big player. Their, their names are big in this Bible right here in end times, and all of them are full-blown. Israel is the big player. All this right now, right in our face. 
and all this other stuff that's going on, chapter, verse, chapter, verse, right here. You say, what's going on? Just like God's going to give Israel one heart one day, God right now is working on awakening his church. I'm not talking about wokeism. I'm talking about Bible awakening, revival. And while there's a crowd running this way uh, to the apostate church, there ought to be a crowd running this way saying, I've got a heart for God. I want to have a whole heart for God. Dear God, don't let me slide. Let my heart be flexible. Dear God, examine my heart. Amen. Right now, you and I need to understand that God's doing a work. And don't let it slip out of your fingers.